was reading down, I said, what? And she said, what does Gilgal mean? And, and it was over. And I woke up, and I thought, and as soon as I woke up, I get instant uh, messaging from uh, Damon Thompson. I don't know if you all know who that is, but uh, he used to be on the ramp and everything with uh, uh, Karen Wheaton and all that stuff. But I get, I get uh, notices from him when he's, when he, he's got a, uh, a thing that he does live. If you're like a senior pastor or, you know, you've been in ministry a long time, he hooks up with people like that. But anyway, and, and guess what the first thing he said was? He said, I'm going to give you the definition of Gilgal. I about passed out. I kid you not, I knew God was trying to tell me something then. And so when he began to explain it, of course, you know me, I'm, I'm, I dive into it and I, I'm just like, man, what are you trying to say to me, God? What are you trying to say to me? And this all dovetails on everything that we have, we have kind of, the Lord has kind of gravitated us towards a deeper walk in him. And I don't know about you, but that's what I'm after. I'm after a deeper walk, and I'm going to try to go a little slower tonight because I wore myself out last night. You know, I'm not 30 years old anymore, and you preach like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's God. I feel like boys coming in from work. I just. <laughs> but the ideal of it is is, is that, um, and I'm, I'm just kidding uh, about my preaching. I mean, if the Lord gets on me, you know I'll whatever. But here's the ideal. Um, that when I started looking at that, I thought, I know that you're telling me something. I know that you're trying to give me something that will help me get on down the road. So I went in and started undigging, uncovering myself, digging it out. And the literal meaning of this word is, is to, it's, it's, it, it has implications. And one of the first things it says is, it says a circle of stones. And the, but the next thing it doesn't, and I preached this years ago, and I remembered it after I read it. It said, uh, "It says to be on a wheel, to be on a wheel, or to roll away, uh, to roll a stone away." And how many knows what they did with Jesus? They rolled the stone away, right? They, when they came over into Gilgal, it it kind of um, it indicates rolling away the reproach. And how many knows he's rolled away your reproach? He's went to great effort to roll away your reproach and everything that would come against you, everything that would try to hold you back, everything in your past. And as I say that, I'm reminded of what Paul said, and I keep going back to this. I keep alluding this. And I said this the other day in passing, and I don't know if you realize this or not, but a lot of things that, that I, how many knows the Bible says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Okay, now when you when I when that scripture says that it doesn't mean somebody that is that has well studied that what that's indicating is somebody that is in tune with the spirit of God and they're just letting out what God's pouring in at any given moment. So God could use you as an oracle of God and you may not be well versed, which we all should be by now. I'll let that sink in for a little bit. We should all be well-versed by now, but it doesn't mean that you have to be, well, a scholar to be able to be an oracle of God. That means that whatever God brings through you that you know that is God, that it is going to, it is going, you're going to declare, decree things, and, it, and so shall it be established. In other words, it's going to edify somebody what comes through you. It's going to bring somebody into the next level. 
It's going to bring somebody up a little higher. It's going to bring, and I, and I'm, I'm, when I saw that, I thought, so if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God, as, and it indicates, that, and here's what I'm getting at, and it indicates that some of the things that I have let loose lately have not been pre-studied. They've not been predetermined. They have come through the Spirit of God, and I went back and I said, like I tell Phyllis, I can't believe I said that. I go go to study that, make sure that's right. Because if that ain't right, I gotta go back and tell them that ain't right. Because I don't want to be, you know, you're known by your words. If you lie, you're called a. Yeah. Okay. It, it, you know. So here's the idea. So I want to make sure what I'm saying is what's coming through me is right, and that lets me know I'm plugged in, and that lets me know that because I hear other people confirm it then, and it just kind of like goes in their line. And I want to speak. If I speak, I want to speak as an oracle of God. I don't want to just be rehashing things I've heard other people say. And, and you know, when you're young, you kind of do that. You know, so-and-so preached that, and that's why I'm, I'm preaching this. I, I don't do that anymore. I, don't, I, I, I try my best to find something fresh and where God wants us to be because I don't want to just go through the motions of being in church. I want to be relevant not just to you, not just to culture, but to God. And I want God to be relevant to us so that he can speak to us and we grow, we grow because how many of you, and I'm taking my time, how many of you realize that when we, that when, that now I don't measure things like I used to measure things. We used to measure things on how big the crowd was. That's, that's called success in ministry. Okay, the goal of a lot of ministry is, is to get out there, get your name. You kind of look like this guy, act like that guy, and man, they remind you of him. And I've been around a lot of the, the big league guys, you know, Brother Hall, Brother R.A. West, and I've had opportunities to work with all of them. I've uh, been offered jobs with all of them, uh, you know, and uh, I wound up going with the guy that I, the Lord put me with, uh, Brother Stevens, and some of the others, our, uh, um, Brother John W. Autry, Brother Hall, some of the others, and um, uh, Brother brother Wiseman, you know, his family. And uh, man, if there's ever a family, I, I know lives by faith that brother Wiseman does. And uh, you can just, if you ever heard their story, you would just blow your mind. Anyway, so, so um, I, when you're young, you try to, you try to gravitate or, or kind of get a hold of that and go with that. And you catch yourself over the years realizing I've preached what they preach and I've said what they said, and I've even dressed like they dressed. And it comes to a point that you say, like, when, when do I mature and come into my own? When do, I, when do I reflect what God wants me to be and not just a, and I, I don't like using this term, but I'll use it uh, because I can't think of anything else right now, uh, but cookie cutter Christian. I don't want to be just a Christian because reflecting somebody else, and that's okay. That's okay. Everybody has their heroes. I had mine in my younger years, and, and now I've made him my hero. Everything about him is my hero. I mean, everything else, I, I still give honor to all the rest, not taking in away, anything away from them whatsoever, but he is my hero. He's everything to me. And, and so now... So now I'm not just trying to reflect somebody else. I'm trying to reflect him. And now I realize that's the most important thing. 
And that's the stuff we need to preach. That's the stuff that we need to give out. If you've looked through your Bibles, you'll find out that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, especially through the three synoptic gospels where they kind of repeated things, uh, that's okay because they were trying to get the message across. John, in the uh, gospel of John, he goes in another direction with it. But you realize that after those four gospels, you don't see uh, Paul or any of the rest of them, Peter, uh, any of the rest of them, you don't see any of them literally, and you can go and check in your Bible, you don't see them really talking about the miracles that Jesus performed. And I didn't realize that for a long time. And when I began to really pay attention, I'm thinking, man, they didn't mention the miracles that Jesus did, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John did. But you get over here in Acts and you get over here in, in uh, Romans, you get over there in Ephesians, Galatians, uh, uh, Galatians and all that. And they're not talking about that stuff so much. They're talking about death, burial, resurrection. They mention that. But they're not talking about in those books over there, uh, especially when you start in the book of Acts, you notice if you really pay attention, they're not talking about those miracles Jesus did and I begin to ask why didn't they and we'll get to Gilgal in a minute but I'm asking why didn't they talk about them because they were more they were more focused in on living that life and performing those things than just talking about them we preach about them and we've preached about them for a long time and it does stir up a, 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 a level of, of um, uh, expectation. It does stir that up, but what would stir up things even more is that the people could realize who you are in God and it's not something he wants you just to talk about, it's something he wants you to actively be active in. <laughs> Miracles, signs and wonders. I don't like the idea, listen, I, I don't like the idea of everybody, and it, you know, it's just my pet peeve. I, you know, I've I, I got a couple of pet peeves. One of them is, is when you pump gas and you put your card in, you get it out, expect a receipt, and they don't have one. It makes me so mad. Like if I wanted to go inside, I'd already done that. You know what I'm saying? I got to walk in there, stand in line, wait for somebody to get a pack of Paul Malls or Winston's and 24, uh, you know, lottery cards. To just get a stupid receipt. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm not doing it. I already did. I bought gas. Hello. And that's one of my pet peeves. The other one is the, the guys that run around and they advertise signs, wonders, miracles on their signs. And you go to the meetings and nothing happens out of the ordinary. I'm going, liar, liar, pants on fire. You said it was going to happen. That's, I, I've never done that, never will. I don't. Hello, somebody. And the disciples didn't do it either. They carried that with them. They got into a place. They went from Kronos to Kairos, and they walked into a place where they didn't just talk about miracles, they were miracles. Everywhere they went, Peter went and his shadow fell on people, and people got healed by his shadow. Just the thing that was a reflection of who Peter was got on him. No, it wasn't just a reflection of who Peter was. It was a reflection of what was over Peter's life. And I think that is far more important for us to have that kind of, that kind of stuff in us to where the things happen because there is something more than just a, a, a story that we keep repeating week after week, month after month, year after year, and we keep on producing more guys like ourselves. And the Lord's saying, when are you going to produce people like me? Not me, but him. 
When are you going to get them to the place that they are not, we're not, oh Lord have mercy. And you understand what I'm saying. Brother Hall had, uh, had Brother West that admired him. If you know Brother West, Brother West combed his hair just like Brother Hall, slicked his hair back just like Brother Hall. And there was guys that, that right now, they dressed like Brother Stevens and act like him. And I, listen, I've, and I've collected attributes from all of them. I remember I preached in, in uh, Chicago one time, and a guy came up from Texas to hear me preach. And uh, heard, you know, and I used to be with this guy for a while, and he came up to hear me preach. And he said the first night, and we was in a camp meeting, and I preached uh, three or four nights. And he said first night, he told me this. He said first night you came out, he said, man, there's Brother Stevens made over. And he said then you come out the second night, and he said, man, there's Brother Hall made over. He said in the third night you come out, he said I thought, man, there's Brother John W. Alter, Brother West made over and he said you come out the fourth night and he said I, I didn't know who you was the fourth night I said because that was me that was me I'm not and we so people you're around you kind of pick up attributes from them you can't help it it's just a natural thing I have attributes of my father I have some of my mother hello somebody uh, Phyllis uh, has a lot of attributes of her mother and her father. Phyllis, uh, she's, uh, I call her Bob the Builder because she, her dad was an excellent carpenter. I mean excellent. And uh, he would always measure twice and cut once. And Phyllis is always like, make sure that's right. Make sure that's right. Don't, nope, that don't look right. Don't put that in there. Don't get that out of there. And Spencer has taken that up from her and, and, and his grandfather. Now, my dad, he was more in the electrical field. I would soon mess with a bunch of wires than I would cutting a board. <laughs> Praise God. I can't cut a straight board for my life. I guess if I did enough, Rob tells me if I did enough, I'd do it good. But I don't have that kind of money to waste that kind of boards. So, so, and I hung around these guys doing drywall enough so I know how to, I kind of, I don't know how to do it, but I kind of can get through it, you know, but, but my point of it is, 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 is we, we can, we can mass produce people that mimic us and we are, we are really good at it. We mimic us. But the thing that gets hard, what it really gets hard is when we get them to the point they're not mimicking us, they're after him. They're after Jesus. They're after to reflect him. Are you following me? So, so to, to, to expect us to, to mass produce, you know, like stamping them out on an assembly line, well, man, they're just like Brother Dave. They're just like Brother Stephen. They're just like Brother Hall. They're like Jimmy Lee. They're just like this, that, or the other. I've learned, man, I don't want to, you know, I love those guys. They're my contemporaries, and I've learned a lot from a lot of them guys, but I don't want to be like them. Brother Hall said... <laughs> He told me, stand right over there, put this coat on. Had Don over here playing organ, stand up, Don, tell him I've never done this before. Don stood up, brother, and Sean could tell you, Sean wasn't going here then. As a long time ago, it was about 10 years before Brother Hall passed. He said, uh, he said, I don't call you. He said, I call you my son. And he said, others have, have sought for me to say that to them. He said, but I don't call him my son. He said, what I have, you'll have. What I'm working in, you'll work in. And he's talking about the anointing. And I thought, man, 
I never let that go. I grabbed a hold of that and I've held on to it. But I do know that I have certain attributes of certain ones. And I do know that there's times that those things flow in and out of me. I, I can't tell you the times I've preached here and people walk up to me upstairs and said, I saw Brother Hall on you today. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's a compliment for me that that, 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 that glory would come down because they, those men really paid a price. They really did. They really paid a price. And so the point I'm trying to make is, is I'm now, as I mature, and, and Brother Hall said this, uh, the Lord gave him in a cave and told him, he said, there'll be 7,000, <coughs> excuse me, there'll be 7,000, which he had 20-some thousand under his ministry, and he said, there'll be 7,000 before you pass, there'll be 7,000 that I'll raise up that will carry an anointing that will come out of you, that come out of your ministry, uh, that you will give birth to spiritually, that will walk in the depths of the, of the Word of God, and will help people find who they are in God. So now I'm hearing that prophecy and I'm being reminded that as I, as I transition into this and as I got a word to, oh Lord have mercy. Phil, you have my phone and I got a word today from somebody sent me a word that was reflecting that very thing that, listen, kind of like this. God didn't call you to be like everybody else. God called you to be like him, to reflect the light of the kingdom of God and to raise up others that would not just reflect you, but they want to have a depth of the word that would cause others to grow into being who God has called them to be. That to me, go ahead and give him praise. Go ahead. Get my phone, Phil. It's in your purse. Oh, no. Maybe, maybe I can pull that up and read it to you, but, but, and if I can, I will. If I can't, it's okay, because I done told you what it, what it basically was saying. Um, let me see. Oh, oh, this is so good. Listen to this. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Genesis 9.20. This MMS, this is what I got. Noah built an ark 120 years. It was for a purpose, and he was so focused on that purpose that we all recognize Noah for building the ark. But once the flood came and went, Noah began to be something different. Come on, somebody. How, how many knows change is healthy for you? So, so watch what it says. So it says, and after the flood, but once the flood came and went, Noah began to be something different. Noah became a farmer. Watch this. Have you ever paid attention to that verse? I never really gave it a thought until yesterday when a friend called me and to remind me God can make you into something else. Oh, Jesus. Have you ever paid attention to that verse? Come on, get off of there. There. I never really give it much thought until yesterday when a friend called me to remind me God can make you something else. Don't let anyone put you in a box. Don't put yourself in a box. Abba, Abba, Father, forms us for each moment and what you did in a previous season of life may not be what you do next. When I read that, I knew what God is showing me and had trying to get people to grab a hold of what is showing us collectively as a body to get ready for the shift. Do you know that this year coming up, 2024, is the season or the year of open doors? Man, I'm... 
get ready. Look at somebody and say, get ready for some open doors. What seemed to be closed, God's going to open. And what seems to be inevitably open, God is getting ready to slam shut. And no man can go back and open that door. Some of you have been in turmoil. Some of you have been in transition. And you're wondering, where is God? Is God with me? Is God for me? Is, am, I, am I right? Am I wrong? Am I going in the right direction? I'm here to tell you that the Lord is saying for you that God has got some of you right where he wants you. And that's where you're going to learn how to trust him. Because if you trust him, if you trust him, you're going to find things in your life. I didn't call these two nights uh, services out of just willy-nilly. Let's just have church. I called them because I felt like those that showed up were going to be those that were, God was going to give a key to put in the door that's about to open. So prophetically, I'm uttering to you that these two nights have been, they indicate that God is handing you a key that is going to open, that is going to help you open doors in the next little while. In the next 24 months, in the next 18 months, you're going to find doors, opportunities. You're going to find things that you're going to step into that you didn't plan yesterday, but you're stepping in not into a Kronos, but into a Kairos moment where it's no longer you doing it. It's God that is, instru uh, that is instrumentally causing things to happen in your life to position you to get the mass effect for the kingdom of God because this ain't about us. This is all about him. This ain't about me getting my shout on. This is about growing the kingdom of God. This is about entering into a place, whether it's at an altar or whether, now listen, I've been there. I've been in those meetings and I was part of those meetings. I can't tell you how many people have gotten saved over the last 40 years in our ministry. I've lost track. I should have kept better track, but I can't tell you. Hundreds and hundreds down through the years, I can't can't tell you how many people have been healed. I can't tell you how many people have been slayed in the spirit that have laid on the floor for us. I can't tell you how many got the baptism of the Holy Ghost in all these meetings. But what am I trying to tell you? That that is nothing compared to what God is about to unlock. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing these keys around. People will, will the, what, what I'm seeing is that there are people that will make, make an extra effort to get a hold of that key. And they don't realize what it is, but they're thinking, I got to get there. I got to be there. And this is going to be more than all of that other stuff. And this kind of plays in to the ideal of Gilgal. Look at somebody say Gilgal. Now, when I told Phyllis that, that in that dream, she asked that question, I never did get to answer her because the Lord had an answer for me when I got up. And when I got up, Damon Thomason was talking about, and he said these words, let me give you the interpretation of Gilgal. I was floored. I was, I was dumbfounded. I was flabbergasted. 
I don't know how to tell you. I, that, that, I don't know whatever the word, what else I could use to let you know how I felt at that moment. But at that moment, do you remember me come out and telling you that? I told her that dream. I said, I had that craziest dream. And then this is what happened. She's going like, wow. And so, but I didn't, I didn't follow up by telling her the rest of it. Get your Bibles and go with me to the book of Jeremiah. Mm. Is it okay if I slow down? Go with me to the book of Jeremiah. Lord, I know it's in here somewhere. <laughs> Hit him on the head again, Henrietta. <laughs> Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 18. And look what this says. I'm going to read out Amplified. If you all don't mind. The word, verse 1, chapter 18, Jeremiah. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he was working at the wheel. Do you remember what Gilgal means? The wheel, the turning wheel, the spinning wheel. Spinning, everybody say spinning. That's what it literally means, a spinning wheel. Like a, like a stone being rolled away, it's a spinning wheel. It's moving. And here's what he says. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he was working at the wheel. And the vessel that he was making from, from clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. Now watch what it says in the Amplified. So he made it over, reworking it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. I love the vernacular of the King James, how King James puts this. Watch this. Same verse, just in the King James's time. Hmm. And verse 4, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. He made it another. He didn't just say he made it another and left it. He said he made it another again. He took the same clay the same piece of clay that was marred. Everybody say marred. If you look up the word marred, it means he stripped it down to the bare essential again. He stripped it down from what it was back down to the bare essential so that he could fashion and form it to what he wanted. You can be seated. He stripped it down to be fashioned and formed to what he wanted because evidently that was a vessel before he put it in his hand. That was some kind of vessel before he touched it. It said, but it was marred in his hand. Hello, somebody. In the potter's hand. That, what that means is, as you, when you read in the Hebrew, it means it's literally saying he stripped it down from what it was to what he needed to be on the spinning wheel. 
In order for God to get us, he has to keep moving us. In order to get us to where he wants us to be, he has to keep things moving in our lives. And how many knows that we seem like that we've been in a transition for a long time? We've been transitioning, spiritually speaking, mentally speaking. We've been transitioning. I mean, you're in the same building. You live in the same house. Some of us drive the same car. I took my car the other day to get an alignment on it, and I seen them out there messing with it, and next thing I know, there was a whole bunch of mechanics over there, and they had their phones out taking pictures of my car. I'm like, what are they doing? And they come running, they come, when they come in, they're like, Mr. Hanson, we got y'all done. I'm like, oh, great. He goes, wow. I'm like, what? He goes, I thought the bill was wow. I was getting ready to say, it ain't my car. <laughs> he said, wow. I'm like, what? He goes, 380,000 miles on that car. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, I knew that. And he's like, he goes, wow, well, we had to take pictures of that. I'm like, yeah. he, I said, I'd get in and go to Florida right now, and I guess. Might have to buy some oil on the way, but I'd put it, <laughs> I'd get there, I believe. And he's like, man, that's incredible. He goes, they don't make cars like that anymore. I said, I know. I said, I put good oil in it. He thought I meant like, you know, motor oil. I was talking about, no, no. <laughs> and he's going like, yeah, whatever it is, keep using it. I said, oh, I will. I will. <laughs> but the ideal of it is, is watch this. Watch. So. Uh, mm, this is so good. I want to take my time with this because this really digs down deep. So he made it, he made that vessel, that vessel was, was used at one time, but the potter got it on his wheel and he started transitioning it. He started moving it. And like I said a second ago, we've been in transition mentally, emotionally, uh, financially. We've been going through some things. And listen, how many knows that, that God wants you to increase in finances? Not so that you can live better, but so that you can give better. Not just here, but to in other areas. In other areas. You can help enrich people's lives. How many of them telling the truth? And so God wants you to, uh, and we quoted it last night before we left here. He wished above all things, above everything else, he wished above all things that you'd, and you know I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I do believe in prosperity. But here's the way I believe in it. Even he believes, he wished above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Hello, somebody. When your soul speaks of your will, your, that those things you desire, God wants you to, your everything to prosper in him so that you can reflect that in whatever you do. So we've all been kind of going through things, you know, even loss of life and, and things transitioning. Lord, I don't understand that. And you just hang on. you just like, and you'll get a word. Hold on. God's got you in control. God's making you into, you know, hello, somebody. So, so here the ideal is that we're all on this so-called wheel. It's moving. It's transitioning us. And somebody said, well, Brother Dave, I'm, I don't feel Feel like I'm moving. Well, then you're not you're not growing, because transition will cause you to grow. Obstacles, things that get in your way, will teach you how to endure, how to go, conquer, how to overcome things, how to make things work. 
It will make you. Listen, how many knows that the, you know, it's like the Oliver Wendell Holmes said one time. He said, once the human mind is exposed to something that it's never been exposed to before, it never willingly goes back to that place. You almost have to force your mind to go back into that, or in, like in a, a recession, it goes back to where it was. Because your mind's saying there's something new here. There's something vibrant here. There's something alive here. There's something different from the, from the, from the rut that you've been in, from living in that place. Hello, somebody. And once you get there, you realize, man, there is something so vibrant here. There's got to be something here. How many's ever got a revelation and has sparked a new life into your spirit? How many has ever went somewhere and all of a sudden they talk about something and you see something you've never seen before? It's not the same old rehashing of stuff you've heard over and over and over again. It's not just talking about things. It's actually doing those things that have been talked about all through the scripture. You're actually seeing some things happen. Come on. And your spirit is going like, wow, that's where I want. Like right now, when I got, when the Lord gave me this, I'm like, man, God, do you want me to throw this out there? And the Lord said, oh, do I want you to throw it out there? I want you to teach it. I want you to preach it. I want you to live it. I want you to be what I'm calling you to do right now. Come on. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to make up my mind to never be the same again mind to never be the same again so let me read this again as it as it as it's uh, talking about marred he just deconstructed it he brought it back down because the thing that I want to uh, really help you to realize is you and I over years have been fashioned and formed out of certain things culture the way we live who we live with has an effect on us. Where we work has an effect on you. Things we do on a daily basis. It's like the old saying, your five closest friends are your future. You wanna know what five years from now what you're gonna be doing? Look at your five closest friends. When I realized that, I started changing friends. Because I realize I'm on a dead end. Because they will, they will, without saying it, they will influence decisions, life decisions that you will make in the next few years. The five closest people around you will influence you, whether you realize it or not, will influence life decisions that you'll make. And I don't know about you, I want to make sure that I'm making good decisions. Godly decisions. Not just good decisions, but godly decisions. Decisions that are going to not just bring me to where I need to be, but actually promote the kingdom of God. With that in mind, you have to realize that everything going around you is not for your benefit. Uh, there's people I like. There's people I don't <laughs> There's people I like. There's people I don't like. Maybe I should say I don't like their, the way they, their attitudes are towards things. There's people that live in negativity. Just negative. Just, you can say, thank God for the sunshine, and they'll say, it's going to burn my plants up. You can say, thank God for the rain. They say, we're all going to drown. 
It's always, no matter what you say, it, you're like, I like your dress. They'll say, it's too tight. The food was good. It, 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 it don't taste right. It's always something. So I, I try not, I, I don't try to be, you know, ugly to those people, but I just try not to hang around with them. Because people will bait you. People will bait, they'll say things to get you going. They will. They'll say things that get you stirred up, like get you on, get you thinking the wrong direction. It happens to me all the time. Here. People will say stuff like, Where, oh, well, pff, where's Rosie the, today? Like, you know, like I'm going to say something bad about Rosie. I'm not. I said, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You reckon she got drunk last night? <laughs> Without starting to argue, we're going to preach on. No. The ideal of it is is you you have to you have to realize how how people operate because that's that and and they don't think nothing about what they said, but but that's the way they live. You ever get around people they don't have an encouraging word for you? Never, never, never have an encouraging word for you. Never have you know. And 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 I so I try to avoid people like that. You know, I said it last night. You know, the Bible said if you want friends, to show yourself friendly. Didn't say you had to have friends. Just said if you want friends, show yourself friendly. Phyllis tells me I'm all the time I'm her best friend. I said, you're my only friend. My only real friend. You know. Uh, and I, I, can I tell what you told me? Gina walked in tonight and she said, I really liked what you preached last night. I said, did you? She goes, yeah. She goes, I'm grabbing a hold of it. I said, all right. She said, I'm just going to confess some of my faults to you. And I went, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I ain't going to tell them. Uh, you don't care? Anyway. I'll have them know it anyway. She vapes. She said, and I've struggled with it. And I said, well, I feel for it because I, I remember back when I got, first got saved, I smoked. I got rid of all the drugs, got rid of everything else, and I couldn't quit them stinking cigarettes. They were just like, they would, they would call my name like wolves howling in the middle of the night. Ooh, you need a cigarette. And guess what I'd do? I'd get him to go smoke one. After, after supper, before, and breakfast, with a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. Best thing ever. They used to say, you know, Folgers was good to the last drop. I'd say, <laughs> good to the last puff. <laughs> Rob's laughing. He knows what I'm talking about. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life to stop, stop smoking. All the other stuff God delivered me from, got free from it. That right there, holy moly. Jesus, it was a battle. I don't know what they put in them cigarettes, but it does a job on you. And God finally delivered me. I, I finally kept fighting it. I got, finally got delivered. Hey, Amen. Anyway, so you have, to, you have to find somebody that's going to encourage you. But he will, and see, that message last night was kind of that wheel that turns 
And when we feel the pressure, it's his hand on our life because he's not going to leave you like others made you. He wants you to be what he wants you to be, not what others have formed you to be. I've had opinions that weren't actually scriptural, but they they were adapted behaviorally because that's what I was taught. Because that's what they said. And without me digging any further, I just believed what they said, and then I would repeat and preach what they said. Well, it's quiet in here. Because I thought, if I want the blessings of God in my life, I've got to be just like them. I was never told I needed to be more like him. Now, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I hope you're learning something. Paul, Paul said, follow me as I, as I follow Christ. Paul didn't say, follow me regardless. Paul, and I, you've never heard me say that. I've always said, check out what I'm telling you. Go ahead and, and go look yourself. Now, listen, so here's, here's the idea. Paul didn't say, follow me as I follow Christ, follow me regardless. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. I, if, if you find me out of line, get away, run for your life. Hello, somebody. And so what, 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 what we were taught was follow the church, follow the preacher, don't ask questions, don't question things, don't ask why. Hello, somebody. Don't say, why is that said? Why, you know, and, and we shouldn't be afraid to ask what something means. But we were taught never to question, never. You just, you just, and so we blindly, and I say this, and I say this respectfully because I don't think it was done with, with, uh, with malice. I don't think it was done out of, because that's just the way they were taught. You know, they were taught that way, so it just keeps on getting handed down. And so we just keep going through that cycle. And, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, I don't think it was done maliciously or done with, with evil intent. I don't think that at all. But I think the mistake that we have made is instead of pointing people to get their lives to reflect more of Christ than just the church, than just the preacher, we would have been much more further down the road and much more effective. You may not agree with that, but don't try to be me. Try to be Christ-like. Don't try to be Pastor Dave. Now, now listen. I, there's preachers. There's preachers right now. Some, some come here. Not there's a few that come and they try to preach what I preach. And I've told them, quit doing that. Quit doing that. Number one, if you don't understand the revelation, the real revelation to it, don't try to repeat what I'm saying because you're just going to mess it up. I appreciate you. I'm, 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 uh, I'm floored I'm by your, you know, but don't do that because number one, you're not me. I don't want to be you. Be who God's called you to be and stick with what God told you. <sighs> Study to show thyself approved. Now, do I, do I get upset when people take things that I've preached and they preach some of it? No, not at all. As long as they develop it and pray about it and God gives it, you know, to where the people can understand it. I, I don't mind that at all. But I don't want you to be a, a mini-me. You know, I, what, what is that thing? I'm, 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 uh, 
I'm, uh, I'm, I'm floored by it, by your flattered. Thank you. That's the word. I'm flattered at times, but then sometimes I go, ooh, quit it. Just stop. And, and, and it doesn't happen much anymore, but I've heard, I've heard guys get up and go like, oh, I'm not Brother Dave. And I'm going like, they know that. Just preach. Just give the message God has given you. Let every man abide in the calling where he is called. Don't mimic me, mimic Christ. Be what Christ has called you. Now, we can learn from one another. You Obviously, God has called me here to teach you some things and to help you get up down the road and get further in God, but you're not to stop right here. You're not to stop this. You, you are to continue to move and to grow in the things of God. Hello, somebody. Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. So if you're not being challenged, if you're not, how many ever felt like you're just spinning out of control? You're just spinning and spinning and things are just tough and they're hard. That's a good sign. That's a sign that the pressure you're feeling is not just outside pressure. It's the pressure of the master's hand on the clay because he's getting stuff out of us that he didn't initially put in there. He's getting stuff out of us that, oh, Lord, have mercy. How many of you realize that when, when, when Jacob was coming and his mother influenced him to dress like his brother, Jacob's mother influenced him, hallelujah, it's through seduction of, of, of seducing of the father because she said, you can't get your father's blessing unless you're dressed like your brother. That, that's kind of the idea that we have that you can't get God's attention or get God's blessing unless you're dressing like this group over here. Nope, that's wrong too. You can't get the blessing of God unless you say what this group's over here says. Nope, that's wrong too. Praise God. No, 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 no. That, that thing has got to be changed. Come on, somebody. How, how many of you has realized that God has a blessing for each one of us and the pressure we're feeling in the last little while is the pressure of God saying, I'm getting everything out of you that's unlike me. I'm going to put you on the wheel and that you're spinning and you feel out of control. You feel out of place. You feel like you're just going and wobbling and you're going all kinds of directions, but I've got my hand on your life. You you see, if you're spinning, that's really saying, and you're not really complaining. Hello, somebody. If you're trying to run from the spinning, praise God, that means you don't trust the process that God has you going through. And I don't know about you, but I want to trust him. I want to have, I want to believe that God is truly, uh, truly in control of my life. And if he moves me, if he takes me from here, point A to point B, and he moves me in that direction, and, and now I'm starting to see things a little bit differently because now my spirit's being stretched. And, oh, this is dangerous to preach with people. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I, I, so all of a sudden you realize the pressure that I feel isn't the pressure of the world. It's not the pressure pressure of culture. It's the pressure of God's hand on my life saying, I'm going to turn you into another thing. I'm going to, I'm going to cause you to be something that I'm going to use in this final phase of this lifetime. Praise God that you're going to give me glory. And how many knows that's the key to all of it? God is, we, he's called us so that he could use us, not that we could use him, that he could use us. And I want to be a vessel in his hand that he 
can use to what my one time over here was for saving people. For the next time it was seeing people get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Another time it was for this over there. But then we say, well, that's it, that God's done. No, God ain't done. God may restructure you, put you back on the wheel, restructure some things in your life, stretch your thinking beyond where you are right now, and the next thing you know, you're reaching out for people that you never dreamed of reaching out before. You're reaching out for people that other people are pushing aside, that people are walking away from saying they'll never be saved. And God's saying, go get them. Go get them. I've had you on the wheel. I've had you on the wheel. I've been pressing you. I've been pushing on you. I want you to go get them. Get up and somebody shout, get up and go get them. Come on. How many knows it's time for you to stop wearing your brother's clothes and get up and go after what God says because you know what? The lie has been God can't bless you unless you look like me. The truth is, is God wants to bless you beyond all that. He wants to take you past what they said the limit was. And that's why that we're on the wheel tonight. pressure, the pressure that we feel is the gripping of God's hand on our life. The pressure because, watch this, how many knows that God brought them to Gilgal? God brought them to Gilgal. And, the, and it, 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 God, Moses, Joshua, he brought them to Gilgal, the rolling way of the stone, the spinning wheel. That where the, how many knows that they had, there was a bunch that had to die in the wilderness? I don't want to die in the wilderness. I want to. I want to. I want to walk in the promises. I want to go. So I've got to embrace the process. I've got to embrace the spinning on that wheel, the pressure that God's putting on my life. Change. When I get words like this, dreams like that, messages like that that I was sent this morning, that at one time God used Noah, and we know him as Noah that built the ark, but hardly any of us ever say Noah the farmer, and that's what Noah's next phase of his life was. Maybe it wasn't as luxurious as, as building an ark. Maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. But he was a farmer. And the Bible says, and Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Somebody say grace in the eyes of God. So some of you are going in the next phase, and it, and it may not, Lord have mercy. Maybe it's not as big as the phase you've been in. But you've got to trust him. You've got to trust him to follow him into the process. Uh, 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 quitting vaping may not be big to others, but it's big to you. So the next phase of that is he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You're going to find in the next little while that you're going to lay that down and it's good, you're going to walk away from it. Not only are you going to walk away from it, you're going to help others walk away from it. Because whatever you conquer, whatever you conquer, God gives you the ability to help others conquer those same, very same things. Every time you conquer a devil, every time you expose him, every time you get him out in the light, that gives you the authority from the kingdom of God to walk over top of that and help others to get over that. I overcame drugs and now I help others overcome drugs. I can lay hands on them and drugs, oh hallelujah. If they're willing and they're ready to go, God can help them get over drugs. Are you hearing? 
hearing me. Oh my goodness, you have the ability. Look at somebody say, we've got it on the inside of us. You don't have to be me. You don't have to dress like me. You don't have to comb your hair like me. You don't have to say what I say or preach like I preach, but God has given us an opportunity because our life is spinning on the wheel and sometimes it feels like it just ain't going nowhere. But the reality of it is, is I trust the process. Make me, I dare somebody say, make me who you want me to be. Do with me what you want me to do. Let me fulfill your word, your call, your destiny, your purpose in my life. Remember what, what Boaz told the workers in the field? Leave her hands full of purpose. Leave her hands full of purpose. That's you, I'm going to give you some purpose. Listen, look at somebody say, give somebody some handful of purpose. Let somebody feel, praise God, what God has done in your life. Let somebody see. Don't hide it. Praise God, bring it to light. Bring it to somebody else. Let somebody else get what you've got. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. You don't have to die dead and insignificant. So, so here's the opportunity we have. This thing that we're now doing, that we're thinking, that we're saying. Now, some people, some people have to live like that. Some people choose that they, they think they can't operate like that. That they can't live without that. They can't live without having that form or that fashion or that, that thing. And God is saying, this is going to take a little longer. Because I've got to put the pressure on. Because I've, I've got to strip all of that. Because we're influenced. We are, we are, we are, we are influenced. We are, we are pressured to do what others want us to do. And you can't, you can't live like that. You, you're, because you're not even going to be content with yourself. You're always going to feel like somewhere along the line that you're a disappointment to yourself. And that you're a disappointment to God. And, and the reality of it is, is I'm going to say this. Uh, this is being recorded, so I'm going to say it. They want you to feel disappointed to God. Because that is part of Satan's tactics, is to constantly make you feel like you're inadequate. You just don't measure up. You got to put on them clothes. Got, and when I'm saying that, I mean spiritually. You got to you got to wear that. You got you got to do that. You got to say it like that. And God's saying, I didn't say that. Paul's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, as long as I'm mimic. Do you know that Paul was one of the most religious men in his day? More religious than any of those that probably hung around Paul. More religious than most majority of them. And Paul made this statement. You can read it. I'll not go there. And Paul said this. I'm going to let you go early tonight. Paul said this. Forgetting those things which are behind. What was he talking about? Paul wasn't a drunk. Paul wasn't a whoremonger. Paul wasn't an, a drug addict. Paul wasn't a drunkard. I said that already, didn't I? But Paul wasn't a drug addict or a whoremonger or a womanizer or a manizer. There's some twisted stuff out there now. I don't agree with none of that stuff. And, and you do yourself a favor by not doing agreeing either. Here's the thing. So Paul wasn't any of those things. Paul was not any of those things. 
Paul was a highly educated religious Pharisee. And Paul said, I count all things but dung. What was he talking about? All the stuff that he learned. All the stuff that culture and tradition had pressured him to become. And Paul was actually holding the coats of those that stoned Stephen. Now, I made a statement last night sitting right about here, and, and Phyllis was sitting over here, and I said this, and, and when I said it, I felt a little kickback. When I said, until we can get to the point that we can bounce, we can allow those that were likely convicted of murder to bounce our children on their knee a chance. I felt a drawback. But the reality of it is, Paul was a murderer. Paul consented to the death of Christians. People that were following Jesus. And you ain't got no problem with Paul. You'll quote his scriptures. You'll quote the verses that he's wrote down. Like there, just go. Oh, hello, somebody. And like, that's what Paul said. Yeah, and Paul killed Christians. He consented to the murder of people that followed Jesus. And we don't have a problem with that. We talk about David like he's the greatest guy ever lived. Greatest warrior. And David killed a man and stole his wife. Man after God's own heart. We'll like preach that. But then let somebody come in the church that has had issues. How are you? Did I see you vaping earlier? Oh, man, it. I'm sitting by you. Lightning's gonna strike. We do it all the time. We do it because of pressure. We do it because of pressure. Now I'm not picking at you. I'm just telling you. We we've got to, we have got to get on that wheel. We've got to let God put the the grip on us. To, 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 to get that thing stripped down from all the stuff that we've accumulated over all the years. Oh, oh. You know, I looked in our newspaper over there where I live, and there's like, there's like 30 some Baptist churches in that little county. And then, you know, one Catholic and, and several others, Presbyterian, Methodist, you know, they go by their titles. And I thought, oh, my goodness. But the reality of it is, now, now see, I feel like I draw, draw back to Jesus. Look, now, I, I think everybody, what's wrong with you? I ain't getting painted stuff. I drove up that, oh, hello. I, I, I drove up that wrong the other day, and, and he was like, And, and he was vaping. And uh, he had his window down. He was, and, I, and I rolled my window down. He's like, vaping right now. He, he looked at me like, Okay, buddy. I got you. 
that I didn't see, you know, and I didn't say anything. I mean, Shirley knows how I feel. I bring that up all the time. You know, but I, I don't, I'm not disengaging from Ron because he could be doing a whole lot worse stuff. Amen. I'm not okaying what he's, you know, that. I think that it's, it's a filthiness of the flesh. It's a bad habit. So go read. So he's cussing. Preaching, man. I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> so is watching too much television. You can make an idol out of anything. Come on, somebody. So Paul was saying, I'm, I've, I've, been, I've been structured by, and, and listen, I'm by no means belittling my upbringing because I, I was brought up strict holiness. Okay, I'm not belittling that at all. There, there are some things in that that still hold true in my life today. I think if you're going to follow God, you need to be holy. Matter of fact, when you get born again, that comes along with righteousness, purity. He said uh, he's given us what he's delivered us from all unrighteousness so that you could be righteous and holy, right? But it's not just, it's not just something you can fake, it's not something that you can just fake. It's not a fake thing. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. How do I get off that and give some help me? Jesus, help me. But the idea of it is, 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 is Paul is saying, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. He wasn't talking about sin. He, he wasn't talking about sin as you and I look at sin. Paul, Paul was talking about stuff that he had picked up from his pharisaical training. He, he wasn't like what we call a sinner, but he knew he wasn't when he understood who Jesus was and what he did and the price that he paid. He knew that what he was holding on to wasn't going to get him in. And so he had to say, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me, not and, 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 and I know we can preach it like that, and I've preached it like that, that you got to forget, you know, the nightclub, the strip club. I wasn't big on strip clubs, but there might be somebody here who was big on them. And it may be women. I don't know. I mean, women going to men's strip clubs. Well, it's possible. Did you see that? Everybody, all them wings went up. <laughs> But there, there's, people, there's people that come here. I don't even know if I should say it. There's people here. Maybe I shouldn't say it. The only two in the church telling me, go ahead. The rest of them going, shut your mouth. <laughs> like, you done told on us. I'm telling everybody else. Maybe I shouldn't say it. I felt checked. Maybe I'll just leave it alone. The idea of it is, is Paul is saying, forget those things. I'm forgetting those things that are behind. Not that I am out doing things that are what are considered in the Western culture sinful. I'm, I'm leaving those things so that I can grab a hold of something that is far greater. 
I'm grabbing a hold of the ultimate Passover, the ultimate sacrifice. I, I'm counting all those things but done that I might obtain, might have grabbed a hold of the knowledge of Christ. Hello, somebody. He's bringing us out of darkness, and the word darkness is ignorance. The word darkness doesn't mean the lack of light. It means ignorance. Hello. And the word light is knowledge into the marvelous light. Out of the darkness, he brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light. He brought you out of ignorance into the knowledge. Aren't you glad that he is bringing, ever bringing daily, on a daily basis, the knowledge of God into your life so that you can more fully reflect who Jesus is? I'm not concerned about all the other stuff, all the and, 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 and I like it. I'm Pentecostal the bone. I love speaking in tongues. I love shouting. I love dancing, uh, which we don't do a whole lot of in here. Uh, music's a little bit different now, and we, so we don't do a lot of that. But I do it anyway. I will do it if it's opportune. Is there? I will shout. I will dance. Hello, somebody. So, I mean, that's all good. I mean, I w if it's there, I will do it if, it if it falls in. But it's not something I'm going to try to make er happen every service. If God brings that in, I'm good. I'm good with it. But if it don't flow that way, I'm good with that too. Whatever you want to do, Lord, I'm in it. However you want to conduct this service, count me in. I want to be part of that. Hello, somebody. You won't find me holding back. There's places I've gone I didn't agree with how they worship. I didn't agree with it. I went to a place to White Johnson told me to go two years ago, and I got there. And I, when I got there, I thought, I'm going to kill Dwight. I did. I drove up on the parking lot and drove for eight hours to get six hours to get there. Drove up there, and I, the church was dark. I, the car, parking lot was full of cars. And I thought, well, what are they doing in there? So, uh, especially when I go to a new place, I try not to be the first one sitting on the front seat saying, I'm here. That's not me. You know, uh, you know I'd like, I like, like to see what's going on. And I got there. All the lights were off in the church. And so I, I went up to the window, the door of the church, and I peeked over the window in the church and they were all standing in there in the dark with their hands raised. Now, I wasn't raised like that. I'm like, what kind of satanic ritual is this? What's this going on? I'm going to kill Dwight. Y'all know Dwight. Dwight, go anywhere. And I'm like, good Lord, what am I going to do? Should I get my car? Should I leave? And uh, you know, about that time, uh, I could hear him talking. We've got Brother David Hansel coming here to preach for us. And I'm like, oh, my Jesus. I'm like, okay, I can't. Some of them people, I knew some of them people, and they, and they weren't running. They were in there with them. And they, they weren't like this. They didn't, you know, they weren't, they were like this. You know, we got different types of work. You know, you got those that are you know, like, they're used to like, hands against the power, like, I surrender. And we got those that carry the crutches out of Walmart. All kinds. There are seven ways, seven different levels of worship. So I'm looking over the window, and all of a sudden, I, I'm like, I better go on in. So I get in, I get on the back, it was like an amphitheater and went down. I stood on the, by the back seat and they were friendly. They come and shook my hand and, you know, and I, I was like, oh Lord, you know. And they had, listen, don't, don't, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. They had Robert Tilton on the screen. Y'all know who Robert Tilton is. 
they had him on the screen, and he was talking, and I'm like, you know, and I was led to believe that Robert Tilton was a devil. Not right. Can't accept him. And, uh, I mean, that's why I felt like, I was, I was all automatically, because that pressure of who I had allowed myself to become under that, and they weren't there. They would have, I, was, I was judging them, predetermining them to be these people. And I didn't realize at the time, but God had me on the wheel. I was uncomfortable. I was feeling pressure. Whew. Man. And so they had worship service, and they, and so time come for me to preach. And I knew they weren't they weren't speaking in tongues. A lot of blue-haired people, not the blue-haired people of today. But when I say blue hair, I mean gray blue hair, like Frank and Linda gray blue hair. There was a, almost two thirds of them there. I'm closing. And I thought, well, I'm going to preach. And I'm, most, I'm just going to keep it simple. Man, I got to preaching. And I felt, I, I, honestly, I, I felt my leg doing this. I felt that, that Holy Ghost, go get him. And I found myself preaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need it. And I didn't know that they had been praying for it. This was a Presbyterian church. I didn't know they were praying for it. And then I thought, I'm out here, and I, oh, what am I doing? I got to get back. So I'm back, and I got to be, and all of a sudden it happened again. But this time, I felt that Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden I found, they had a, and I found myself standing upon those on the platform. Up on, it went up, and I found myself, and I was preaching, and all of a sudden, the, you've heard me say this before, all of a sudden, the pastor who was standing, sitting over there in the front seat, I'm on the wheel. I don't realize I'm on the wheel. God's getting ready to do something in me to them, through me to them, for them to grow. Oh. And all of a sudden, I look over, and the pastor, he's about six foot six, and he's stretched out. He's about 80 years old. He's stretched out like this. And I'm like, I've done give this guy a heart attack. <laughs> I look at him, and his wife, who's about four foot eleven, Cherokee in and standing over top of him with a handkerchief, and she's waving over top of him. You know, and he's and I thought, Lord, I've given this man a heart attack, and she's over waving over him like that. And so I'm like, I've got to help him. We've got to get him in the floor, start CPR. So I come down off the stage, and as I get to over to him, I can hear something coming out of him. It's not the death gurgle. It's life coming out of him. It's, a, it's this. And I look over there, and as the closer I got, all of a sudden she gives that little Indian war hoop. Throws that handkerchief in the air, and she falls out in the pew behind him. Now she's got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing me? Before the night's over, two-thirds of that church with their white pearls and their white hair are laid out in the floor, 
speaking in the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Spirit of God in that church never went back to the same way that God brought them out of. I wish somebody give God some praise. Come on, somebody. Give God some glory in this house and shout, put me on the wheel. I'm in. Count me in. Let the prayer... They got kicked out of the Baptist organization. They got kicked out of the Presbyterian organization. They bought the church from the organization and they started a church there. Praise God, a spirit-filled church. They started a move of God there. Their son, they've died off, but their son now is running the church and he's keeping it going. He's hooked up with, ah, God, hallelujah. Oh, I wish somebody said, go ahead and preach, Brother Dave. Don't limit God. Get on the wheel. Let God put the pressure on because what God brings out of it is going to be way better than anything you have come to custom to and you know right now. Brother Dave, I'm under pressure. Good. God's getting you ready for a breakthrough. He's getting you ready for an astounding outpouring of his presence and power. Give God some praise in this house. Stand to your feet and give him some praise. Now, how many of you in this house can say I've been under spiritual pressure? I've been under I've been under I've been under pressure to to go the old way. I find people saying this all the time: find the old paths and walk therein. They don't even know what they're talking about. They don't. The word "old paths." Do you know what it means? The old paths is is a reference to. The old paths are a reference to the feast of the Lord. And we don't celebrate them. We follow Easter, Halloween, Christmas, New Year's. 90% of the Christians don't celebrate anything Jewish. They celebrate everything pagan. Well, I didn't say that to make you stop. Uh, you know, having Christmas. We're going to have Christmas play here. What I'm saying is, is we say things and do things that we don't even really dig in it enough to find out what it's been talking about. And that's where we find ourselves on that wheel. And being on that wheel makes you feel like you're not in control. But you've got to come to the place, and here's what I really want to say. I took an hour and a half to say this. You've got to say, I trust God with my future. I trust God in the direction that he's taking us. I trust God in the direction that he's taking this church, that he's taking our leadership, because I want to grow. Pastor Dave, we're not shouting like we used to. Do you think I don't, I know that? You think I don't realize that? I know that. And I got people going like, well, we don't shout like I used to. I'm, I'm gonna find me a place to shout. Well, go on with your bad self. I've had people tell me that, and, they, and they, they backslid. God was trying to grow them, and they were in the mindset that they were going to tell God how they should grow. They were at the mindset because of other manipulation and, and pressure from the outside source, not God's source, is that I have to wear my brother's clothes for God to bless me. 
you don't have to wear your brother's clothes for God to bless you. Say, Lord, I want, I want to trust you. I want to trust you in the process. You put me on the wheel for a reason. I'm on the wheel. I dare somebody in here to say, Lord, get everything in me that's unlike you out. Get everything in me that's unlike you out. My attitude, my thinking, my way of treating people, my way of responding, my way of walking, even my way of worship. I have found myself drifting in the presence of God and not wanting to come back out of that. And it wasn't just in a shell, but I have found myself in my house, hallelujah, alone, but not alone. Lonely, but not never alone. Oh, hallelujah. I want, to, I want to offer myself to him. I want to say, Lord, what? listen, and you, listen, I don't say this just inadvertently anymore or without caution. I say this with much um, uh, hesitation or with much accreditation. I, 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 not even accreditation, but it's, I, I say this with a, a, lot of, a lot of thinking about what I'm about to say. I give it all to you, Lord. I give it all to you. I want to be what you want me to be. Not what others want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. I surrender all. My question is, is when we say that, do we really mean it? Because God takes that serious when you say, I surrender all. And I know that we've preached that over the years and we've said that and it has linked to people that have been outside coming in. We sing it at altar calls. And it's okay, nothing wrong with that. But what about Christians that say it? I surrender all, but they don't mean it. Give it all to you, God. I want to mean what I'm saying. I want to give it all to you. I want to surrender all to you. Not part, not a piece, all of it. Jesus, that's what you said for us to do. You said if we're going to love you, to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul all of our mind, and all of our strength, everything, everything. I surrender all. I surrender all. Help me, Kelly.
you mean that tonight, I would ask you to come to this altar, stand or kneel. And before you make that step, I want you to really, really think about what you're saying. Because he's going to put you on that wheel. And you're going to feel the pressure of his hand on your life. You're going to feel the pressure. Oh. This is heavy, I know, for a Thursday night. But the Lord has called us together for these two nights to come to this place. Kelly, I know you're praying, but would you sing it? Oh, that's okay. Go ahead and play that. Yes. Come on. Yes, Lord. Jesus. 